Let me, uh, let me start this new year off with uh, prayer. God, Lord, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for, Father, how you use a sinner turned saint by the power of your mercy, by the power of your grace, by the power of your son. Father, that we get to be a part of this, the movement of your, your spirit. We love you, Jesus, and we commit this time to you. Amen. I uh, have the opportunity uh, to meet with many, uh, many couples and, and just talk over life. And like every couple, uh, one is a spender and one is a hoarder. And as I say that, you immediately start thinking about the person next to you because they are one of those two things. Uh, and so let's pray for your spouse. And uh, who's right, who's wrong? But he, this series is, is born out of conversations that would, would come out of things of that nature. Uh, the, I recently, uh, a handful of months ago, met with, met with a couple over, over, a cup of, over a cup of coffee, and they're talking about budgeting and saving, and they're saving so much money for this wedding that they have upcoming, and they're struggling to pay off their credit card debt. And so we started talking. I'm like, well, how much interest are you paying? towards your credit card, about 22%. I'm like, that's criminal. And, uh, and, and how much are you putting towards your wedding? And then we just put numbers down on a Google spreadsheet, and we were like, well, what if the money you're putting towards your wedding actually went and just paid off your credit card and then stops building up you know, a, a budget on your credit card, if you will, and just pay off, pay off the credit card. And then as you pay off your credit card, you then build up your savings for the wedding. And I think in the end, you'll actually have more money. And as we worked on it on, on paper, it all made sense. And, and this whole series is born out of conversations with a good old, old-fashioned Google spreadsheet, a cup of coffee, and some honest conversation around the area of, of money and budgeting. And, and we, during these conversations, I'm able to impart wisdom uh, from negative experiences and positive experiences, things that I have learned, and I get to impart that to them. And then, then here's what happens. I impart to them knowledge. Wisdom then becomes what they do with it. <laughs> so did they cancel the credit card? Did they, did they say, well, I guess I really don't need Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, four different music subscriptions. Did I cancel all but one of my music subscriptions? Did, did, I, did I get the roommate? Did I save for the honeymoon? Did I apply for the job? Uh, those, that then becomes wisdom when they take the conversation like this and decide to do something about it. Otherwise, here's what happens. They, they look at it like, Jason... You're a giant buzzkill. What do you mean I don't need Amazon Prime and Netflix? Uh, I'm going to choose the fun things of this world over the wise things of the world. I'm going to choose the, the fun things. I'm going to look at the fun things and say that wise thing that you might be sharing, I'm going to discount it because I really want to chase after what is fun because when I chase after what is wise, sometimes that demands a level of sacrifice which is uncomfortable, and when things are uncomfortable, we quickly say, well, that's just foolishness then. <laughs> and so the book of Proverbs that we're going to be looking at is a book of wisdom. 
And, and it, it applies wisdom to a whole slew of areas. And one of, the, one of the treks that we're going to follow along is in the area of finances. But I want this week to pay attention how Solomon starts this book. Here's, here's the start of the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verse 1. Proverbs, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon is recorded as the wisest man ever to walk this earth. You want to know where his wisdom started with? God basically saying, Solomon, I will give you anything. In a time of, of prayer and dreaming and whatnot, he says, then give me wisdom to rule justly. <laughs> what a wise man. And unfortunately, he stopped practicing wisdom at the end of his life, and it brought, led to his ruin. He says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, in knowledge and direction to the youth. Solomon doesn't waste any time for pleasantries. He doesn't start with some nice joke. He doesn't start with like some nice story. He goes right for it, and he goes on to talk about what the reader would understand as loving discipline. That if you and I strive to be wise people, then you and I must be men and women that embrace discipline. Why? Because there is not a single person in this room born wise in and of himself or herself. There is not a single person in this room that doesn't need loving discipline, doesn't need to have a disciplined life. For the person that wants to be wise, they seek out, catch this, they seek after discipline. Because to hate discipline is to hate oneself, ultimately. Because if I don't love my kids, then I'll never discipline them. I, so, uh, I, because I love my kids, I discipline them, and I want them to strive after what is good. To hate self-discipline is to hate self. To live an undisciplined life is to live a life of waste. And so as you and I want to desire, as we desire to live a wise life, then we seek after learning. We seek after this acquired learning. That is wisdom. And we seek after from people that are further along in the process. Many of the times where I'm having a cup of coffee with people, it's people that are about 12 years younger than I am. And I get to impart with them wisdom that I have learned both positively and, and negatively from my own life experience. So, so what are you looking for? Solomon, Solomon talks about it. If, I, if I'm going to try to glean wisdom from people, what am, what am I, who am I going to strive after? Who am I going to seek wisdom from? And Solomon says, I want to seek wisdom from people that are in their, in their actions. Their actions are seen as right, just, and fair. You're not going to Cardi B for wisdom on how to live your life. You're going after what is right, what is just, and what is fair. And oftentimes, he, he mentions this word simplicity. He, he mentions this word simple. The simple oftentimes seen as gullible. Sometimes in your youth, you're seen, you, you, can, you can lack wisdom in, in your youth. You, you don't really understand there, there is a naivety, if you will, to, to the way you look at life. But, but I also think that in, in, the, in the place of simplicity is oftentimes some of the people of the greatest, well, greatest wisdom. Some of the wisest people I know live the most simple, simple lives. And some of the most foolish people I know live utterly complicated and crazy lives. Check out this, uh, this quick video.
let me tell you why I shared that video. It came from a friend of mine, and uh, he's somebody that has invested financially into this church in a great, great deal. It's a personal friend of mine from New Hampshire. And after he was, actually, while he was investing in this church, he was also investing into a mission that he himself started in Malawi, Africa. It started with a soccer organization. It led to a school, and now it has led to planting churches. They, on his own personal dime, hired a pastor over there, and that is a video from this past Christmas, this past, like, the, oh, two weeks ago, where they had five to 600 people in attendance for their Christmas service, uh, a, a town that was uh, about a year ago dominated by witch doctors, voodoo doctors, and he has been investing financially in his own leadership wisdom and, and in a our, our revival has erupted in this African town with five to 600 people worshiping and dancing and praising the name of Jesus. That is right. That is fair. And that is just. <laughs> that's meaningful to me because that's the type of man that when it comes to financial wisdom, I want to glean wisdom from him. I want to glean wisdom from somebody that is, I don't want somebody's opinion. I want knowledge that leads to righteousness. Uh, I, I want to know that if, if you're going to impart wisdom onto my life, that it's wisdom that is going to lead to generosity, not lead to hoarding. Ho hoarding is, is, I don't know many people that are hoarders that live wicked, holy lives. Some of the most generous, simple people I know are the holiest people I know. And it's those people that I want them to speak into my life and give me wisdom on finances so that I can practice, so that I can be increasingly generous. That's a disciplined life. The scripture goes on to say, to say this, this, let the wise hear. Let the whom? Wise hear. And increase in learning. Let the one who understands obtain guidance. Uh, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their wisdom. Uh, the words of the wise and their riddles. Wisdom, did you catch that? Is not just for, is not just for people that lack. Wisdom is for people that are already wise. They continue on in their learning. They continue on in their wisdom. This is, so no matter who's sitting in this room, whether you think yourself wise financially or not, this book has something to say to you because the wise want to continue growing. The wise want to continue learning. The wise want to continue investing. The wise want to want to grow in understanding. That's one of our values, endless growth. Endless growth is that there is no limit to the amount of people that we can reach for Jesus Christ. But then secondly, there is no limit to what needs to change in my life, that Christ every single day needs to do a work in my life to make me more and more like his son. Until I reach glory, I have not arrived. And so for us, this little trek through finances is something where if I am wise, I am going to seek it out. When I stop seeking wisdom, I'm no different than the fool who rejects wisdom. And so I seek after wisdom as, as, a daily, as a daily thing in my life because I don't want to become the fool. And, and, and Solomon says, here's how wisdom is going to be imparted through these proverbs, through these parables, through these sayings, through these, through these riddles. Why? Because wisdom is, is a whole body experience. Wisdom takes a little bit of effort. Wisdom says, I'm, I'm going to seek after it. Wisdom is going to say, like, here's a riddle. Let me give it 
thought. Let me, let me pause and meditate. Let me, let me not be so hurried that I can't take time to think about something, a higher level of learning. Wisdom is a, is a combination, in, in essence, to be unlocked and that you and I will sit and to think instead of being rushed past wisdom. And the purpose of wisdom is that we would grow in our morality, that we would grow in how we conduct ourselves and apply said riddles, apply said proverbs. Like many, many people, I spent the end of uh, last week or so uh, reflecting over 2018. I, one of the things that my wife and I sat together and reflected upon was how we spent our money in 2018. And, and one, of the, one of the things that we saw was at, at the start of, of Ava's business, we saw a 20% increase in, in, her, in the finances uh, of us as a family. And, and we thought about that for a second. We were like, man, that's a, that's a big jump. And we, and we said, okay, well, well, we gave more. That's awesome. That is great. We, we, we were able to pay down some debt. We were able to go on an affordable vacation. We were able to pay off a future vacation so that we wouldn't have to put it on credit, if you will. We, we were able to do some good things with our money, but as we sat and as we reflected on our own personal finances, we said we should have paid down more debt. That, that we sometimes made a good decision that wasn't the best decision. And had we chose the best decision, which would have been to be more prudent, would have been to be a little bit more sacrificial in, in our spending, we probably could have paid down more debt, and we looked at that and said, we need to make changes in 2019 so that we can, be, that we can pay down more debt and be more generous because we got, in, in some areas, we, were, we spent when we didn't necessarily need to spend. And so I think that this, this whole series that we're doing applies to all of us because I don't think Ava and I are alone in this. I think that we all have room to grow in the area of finances. So do, where are you on this equation? Do you, do you feel like you have arrived or that you have nothing to learn in the area of finances has your financial wisdom produced the results you've hoped for if not what is keeping you from growing learning and applying because here's the thing when it comes to finances that we all need together humility we all have room to honor God better and, and more effectively in in this area so I don't think that this is a series for rich people <laughs> I don't think this is a series for poor people. I don't think this is a series for the spender or the hoarder. I don't think it's for the females. I don't think it's for the males. <coughs> I think this is just a series for people. <laughs> As we all strive to honor God better in, in the area of, our, uh, of, our, of wisdom and finances. And so he concludes what I think is a verse that we all must memorize. He concludes this section by saying, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, wait a second, Jason. Last night, as I was supposed to be sleeping, I'm scrolling through my Insta story, and, and one of my friends posted that verse. Hey, perfect, uh, perfect love drives out fear. I've seen that verse around. So, Jason, doesn't, doesn't the Bible contradict itself? If perfect love drives out fear, how can the fear of the Lord be the beginning of knowledge? I think that we must contextualize fear that yes when I think about God and the start of my relationship with Jesus Christ is this that a holy God can bring damnation and condemnation over a people that are far away from him that a powerful God that is able to craft this world into existence I have a healthy level of fear and for that but then the blood of Jesus Christ washes over me. 
And I no longer fear condemnation. But too many of us forget that next level of reverence, awe, and respect for the God that has shown us grace, mercy, and love. The fear of the Lord is not that I'm going to tinkle my pants. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is that I would look upon him with reverence, awe, and respect. I don't, uh, sometimes the fear of money controls my life. Sometimes the fear of people controls my life. Sometimes the fear of stuff controls my life. Sometimes the fear of image controls my life. What would it change for us to be a people controlled by the fear of the Lord, allowing respect for the Lord to transition and to change everything about the way in which you and I conduct ourselves? Here's what is formed. It is this fancy grammatical term called an inclusio, which means that the fear of the Lord is mentioned at the beginning of this book and at the very end, at the second to last verse of the book, it's mentioned again, the fear of the Lord leading to wisdom. And that informs this inclusio, which what, 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 um, what Solomon is going to do is he's going to take this concept of the fear of the Lord and he's going to weave it through a whole bunch of different areas to apply wisdom to. And, and one of those areas is finances. That's one of the areas that we're going to look at. But here's what he's communicating right at the beginning. If you want to be a wise person, the wise person applies the fear of the Lord to every element of their lives. It is more than an emotional response to God's power. It is a choice. The fear of the Lord is a choice where I put the interest of God above self-interest. Where I put God's preference over my own personal preference because I want his voice to be the loudest in my life. And when I start to see the world through the lens of my Savior, I start to see the world correctly. When I have the fear of the Lord conducting my life, I hate what is evil. I hate what is prideful. I hate what is arrogant. This leads to a place of growing. Fear of the Lord is a learning posture. God, teach me. God, I, I don't want to be the person that, that can't learn. Uh, like that's, a, that's a fool. A fool actually is, is not a person that can't learn. A fool is a person that won't learn. And I don't want to be the fool that's saying, God, I know all things. I have nothing to learn from you, God. I want to be the wise person that say, God, teach me, teach me, teach me out of fear and reverence and, and, and respect for you. Because a fool hates wisdom. A fool hates structure. A fool hates order. A fool hates an absolute right and an absolute wrong. We live in a world that says there, like, there can't be absolute truth. Why? I think that is selfishly motivated. Because in a world with no absolute truth, you can manipulate anything you want to your own personal preference. But we live in a world where God, the fear of the Lord says that there is a right and a wrong. Here is an absolute way to live your life. You can't manipulate that. Well, then the fool will say, then to heck with your God. The fear of the Lord, the wise person will say, then I'm going to submit to an authority higher than myself. A fool will say, I am the highest authority instead of God. Proverbs is not about just developing good ways of living. Proverbs is about the fear of the Lord conducting everything and changing everything about us so that we live to be more like my God. Yes, there is, there is fear at the start where I don't want to face damnation, but then I submit myself to, to a loving God, and I, what I understand is that the end result is that the Lord loves me. The Lord wants me. The Lord desires what's best for me. It, it, it starts with fear, but it ends in love, and it leaves me with this place of respect and awe for my Jesus that died for me. The fear of the Lord 
Lord drives out lesser fears that will diminish my character, and the fear of the Lord will build up my character. I showed you this picture uh, a handful of months ago. It's a man named John Spano. You guys remember him? He bought the New York Islanders. He was worth about $12 million, but he was able to manipulate banks, manipulate a process, and agree to buy the, t- the team for like 300 or so million dollars because he was a big old liar, and, and he, was, he, he made trades. He, he acted as owner with this deal going on, and here's one of the things that he said. He said, I was on a phone call with myself, my attorney in Dallas, and someone from the league. He talked to my attorney to verify that my my net worth was X, and my attorney, based on me telling him that my net worth was X, told him, yes, I was pooing my pants. He didn't quite use that word. Uh, I was pooing my pants because if that blew up, it would have all fallen apart. And that was the extent of their due diligence. They didn't ask for anything after that. He was living a life of a lie. No fear of the Lord But do you see how fear still dominated his life? I was pooing my pants. I was going to be found out to be a liar. Fear dominates your life, whether you want to admit it or not. The Christian, we choose to submit ourselves to a loving God and say, God, let your voice be loudest. Fear dominates in a healthy way levels of my life when I think about, man, this is a blessed church. The start of this church is a blessed church. You want to know what I was, how I was fearful as, I, as we started launching this church? God, I don't believe that you're blessing just for us to be an in, inward-focused church. I don't believe that you're blessing just so that we can keep, keep, keep. God, I believe that you're blessing so that we can go and do something about it. God, you're blessing, and I don't want to be the reason this all falls apart. The fear of the Lord, for me, drove me to a place of God. I don't want to be the reason this falls apart. I, and, and when it comes to our finances, even when I look at our finances, and say, I don't want to be the reason that God will take away his blessing. He might take away his blessing for, to teach us and to do other things, but I don't want to give him reason. I want to live a life holy before God because that is what he has called us to. And so if you fear your kids and their future more than the Lord, then yes, you will probably hoard instead of being generous to the church. If you fear image over, over the fear of the Lord, then that is going to cause you to rack up the credit card bill. If you fear what others see and, and look at you as, then that's going to cause you to buy things you don't really need. Dave Ramsey says that. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we actually don't even like. <laughs> what do you fear? Who has your highest level of respect? Does your answer match your bank account? I think the big thought for us this morning is that wisdom flows from reverence. Awe, respect for our Jesus. So what would a simple shift look like in your thinking about finances? Would a simple shift on, on in the area of finances just be shifting your focus to honor God in the area of your finances? What would wisdom applied to the area uh, of, 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 of finances look like for you? And perhaps it's not some big old change. Perhaps it's just a simple shift to allow God to speak into your life. Here are three areas that I think if we're going to put a bow on this, if we're going to apply reverence and awe and respect for God, here are three things that you and I, under the banner of wisdom, must pursue. 
knowledge, character, and wisdom. Knowledge in that we're going to study. We're going to reflect. We want to make wise choices. We want to spend our money wisely. We want to do things. We want to grow in knowledge. We, if we're going to invest into a stock, we want to invest wisely into stocks. We want to invest wisely into a mutual fund. We want to invest and do things wisely. We want to grow in knowledge. We want to do our diligence. Wisdom is not being sloppy. Wisdom is not saying, well, it will all work out in the end because oftentimes it doesn't. (laughs) Wisdom is saying, I'm going to do my diligence and not be haphazard in the area of finances. Wisdom would say that if I'm going to grow in knowledge, that my knowledge is to build my character. This is not to build up knowledge in the area of a classroom. This is to build up knowledge so that you can go and then start to apply it. That, that it's not divorced from one another. That this is something that happens in the classroom then to be built up in the area of our lives and the way that we handle. I am convinced of this. Folly is a fancy word for foolishness. That wisdom and folly are moral terms. And I, what I mean by that is the, the fool is somebody that lacks, that, that has the knowledge but lacks the desire to do anything about it. The wise person has the knowledge and decides to do something about it. So in the area of finances, as you know and you build up your character, what do you need to start doing or what do you need to stop doing? The character of learners are determined by their actions, and the actions of learners reveal their character. And this is all motivated by reverence. Society is addicted to good feelings, but when we have the fear of the Lord dominating our lives, he wants what's good and best for us. We can trust him with that, even when it requires a little bit of sacrifice. Sometimes we promote our good feelings to the point of saying, I don't need brokenness, I don't, I don't need repentance. But man, God is so good, is he not? <laughs> We can, we can respect him, and we can revere him, and we can trust him, and we can embrace him, and he wants what is best for us. The, the, the wise person, out of reverence for God, is going to say, God, your voice above everything else. And so this is not a book about a list of principles just to make your life happy. <laughs> This is a book about a list of principles that one gets to submit their reverence before God. And we ultimately find out who we need to take advice from. Let me read you a few quotes. And when we think about these are quotes about finances, let me read read you a few quotes. Okay, The nature of, of any human being, certainly anyone on Wall Street, is the better deal you give the customer, the worse the deal is for you. I can understand where, that, where this person might be coming from. Wall Street is a big turf war. By benefiting one person, you are disab- disadvantaging another person. I can, I can get that to a, a degree. The person that is buying a share of stock is convinced he knows something that the other person who is selling, uh, selling it to him does not know. There is a... There is no zero-sum game in Wall Street, okay? Uh, The last thing that I want to read from this person is that today, basically, on Wall Street, there is big money to be made by taking big risks. Now, that all sounds well and good, right? Like, that's like, okay, if I'm going to look at that, that might be some wisdom that I want to start applying as I start thinking about the stock market. Until you realize that that those are quotes made by none other than Bernie Madoff who is now sitting in jail for the way he handled the stock market. And so the question becomes to you and I, who are we going to take advice from? 
Who's going to be the loudest voice in our lives? Because certainly, if I'm going to invest into the stock market, his voice is not going to be the loudest voice speaking into my life. That when I want the area of finances, when I want to be wise in the area of finances, God has to be the loudest voice speaking into my life. And so what do you need to stop doing? What will you do about it? What do you need to stop doing? Start doing whatever, and what will you do about it? Foolishness is a decision. We can reflect and we can go after, you know, after a chapter of living in our, living our lives, we can understand like Ava and I did that maybe 2018 lacked some wisdom in different areas. And so there's a time to, to reflect and to consider and to think. But then the question becomes, what will you do about it? Will you pursue wisdom? Wisdom is active. So what will you do about it? You guys were given a, a communion cup on your, on your way in. Communion is a time where we get to reflect upon Jesus, the God in which we revere and submit ourselves to, that we are in awe and that we respect. Communion is a time to pause and to reflect. And so simply, I, I'm, I'm a, Mindy and Carly are, are going to sing two Uh, two portions of of a song, and as they do, I just want to sit, and I just want to reflect. And when they're done singing, uh, we're going to take communion together. And I pray that this time of reflection moves us to action. Consider this song as we reflect. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to stay connected, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and if you would like to help us with our mission of igniting a craving for Jesus by relentlessly loving our community, you can find the link to give and all the other ways to connect with us down in the description box below.